This episode of the Concast is for all of my introverts out there. to you. My name is Connor Collins and welcome to the Concast, a podcast where we discuss all things health, wellness, and injuries in an attempt to better understand the human body. This is episode 143. Today's episode is an episode that I have thought about recording for a really long time and I've even gone and sat down to create a few notes about it. And I've frankly struggled to put those notes together, I think, until now. And when I was preparing for this episode originally, I was trying to look at it through a research lens. And I think that's where I was struggling with putting together ideas for the episode. And so instead of looking at it through a research lens, I've just tried to look at it through a personal lens and kind of my story, some of the things I've learned along the way in talking to people, reading books, reading a little bit of research, hoping that there's a little bit of information for you in this episode, whether you're an introvert, an extrovert, an omnivert. So really this episode is about being an introvert and I had thought about doing an episode about personality types and and introversion, extroversion, and I just don't really think it's genuine for me to talk about being an extrovert, as I'm clearly, for those people that know me, not one. And uh, I think that in future episodes, I I think that bringing somebody on that's a little bit more well-versed in the topic from a research and personality perspective might be valuable. So this is more of a, a personal story with some things that have worked for me over the years. In preparing for this episode, I wanted to reflect back as to when things changed because I think that growing up, I was probably more extroverted in that, or at least when I think about it, I felt that way, being more extroverted up until my mid-20s. I would say in high school, I had a lot of friends. I was much more outgoing than I am now, even in early university. I do think that some of that was maybe just me trying to fit in and maybe not being as genuine to who I am, which I don't think is uncommon at that age. But I would say that in my mid-20s, I became much more introverted. And I would say that maybe I was turning in that direction anyway, but you know, looking back, it was more of an unfortunate circumstance that led me there, kind of just from a lack of confidence after a few things had happened to me around that age. And I just became very quiet and very shy. And if you want to use the word withdrawn, and I would say that that began, um, I don't know if the word struggle is accurate, but a 
introspection over about a 10-year period until maybe really only the last, honestly, three to five years, I've started to really understand who I am from an introvert's perspective and be more comfortable with it. Mainly because I think that for me and for many other introverts, they struggle with the sort of lack of understanding as to why they might be so quiet or shy. In preparation for this episode, I just threw a post up on Instagram and I said, what are your biggest struggles as an introvert? And so some of the things that came up, you know, some of them were really funny. What Some of them were meeting new people. One response was, I don't even know where to begin. Uh, another ambiguity uh, caused by me being quiet. Another feeling ashamed or not wanting to socialize. Uh, wondering if I'm just isolating myself instead. Another one getting me time to recharge. Not being able to deal with huge crowds, even moderate crowds, feeling social pressures, people um, wanting me to do something with them, finding excuses not to go out, asking for help. So really the, the list goes on and I can certainly relate to a lot of those responses. I'm no different than a lot of these people where I struggle with the fact that you know, people may not quite understand me or misrepresent me or project onto me, which we'll talk about throughout the episode. And and that's a difficult place to be in that it can ultimately lead to affecting your confidence. So before we go any further, let's just get a working definition of what an introvert is. And, you know, when you Google introverts and extroverts, a whole bunch of things come up, but I thought it would be just appropriate to go to the dictionary. So, Webster defines an introvert as a person whose personality is characterized by introversion, a typically reserved or quiet person who tends to be introspective and enjoys spending time alone. Extroverts, on the other hand, is a personality that is characterized by extroversion, a a typical gregarious and unreserved person who enjoys and seeks social interaction. You then have a, a midpoint Uh, ambivert or omnivert or uh, extroverted introvert and these are people that have characteristics of both introversion and extroversion also when you think about it it's largely related to energy and comfort Um, extroverts get charged from people and being in social settings they really enjoy it it fills their gas tank up whereas introverts get generally speaking drained in those same settings either a little bit more quickly or just very quickly and become overwhelmed with the social setting as a result of that. So when it comes to, if you want to give the analogy of gas tank, introverts create their own energy. They they don't need people to fill up their gas tank, whereas often extroverts require that social interaction, meeting new people. For introverts, the thought of, say, going to I don't know, a social gathering where they know no one, they have to be forced to make small talk, introduce themselves and meet new people is maybe one of the most anxiety provoking things that they can think of. Whereas for extroverts, it's a really exciting opportunity that they enjoy and grab onto. There really just is this 
sort of juxtaposition in personality types and everybody as you know is is just their own unique person with their own personality types and for every introvert there's an extrovert and for every introvert and extrovert there's an omnivert and so understanding kind of where you fit into your social circle your settings and society in a larger perspective can be difficult when you aren't making it a priority for yourself I guess and I think for me that was probably where I was at I was just kind of coasting and didn't really have an understanding of what it truly meant to be this and then how did it fit into what I was doing and and understanding really myself in a larger context. So how did I become more, I guess, comfortable being an introvert? And I guess the first thing is I didn't really for many years. I would definitely struggle with this for several reasons. And a couple of those were, there were people first in my life and my social settings that maybe just didn't accept me for who I was from a personality perspective. I think that is a really difficult place to be regardless of who you are uh, from a personality type or just a person in general. So if you feel as though some of the people that you interact with on a regular basis are judging you, not accepting you for who you are, making comments that can continually cause you to question yourself as a person and your personality type. And not having this recognition and then the confidence to push back on that can often cause you to believe what other people say about you. And so this was the cycle that I was in for many years where you're getting these comments directed in your way and you start to believe them. And then further to that, you start to believe those things as being negative when in fact they're not negative. They're not even necessarily positive nor negative. They're just elements of your personality. And so not having the recognition that how people in your social circle and support group affect you um, was probably the biggest thing for me and I'll talk about how I came to that recognition a little bit later second was understanding truly what an introvert is how they operate and then being okay with that and that took a lot of help from other people that are much well versed in the topic coaching me through elements of as an introvert, what are some of the the struggles or things that you may deal with and then how to face those things? And so just a couple of those struggles that introverts may face, and I'm not suggesting here that extroverts don't have struggles because everybody has struggles, but I'm only really speaking to my own personal experience because I, I cannot relate to what an extrovert is going through because I think I'm very far from that scale. The first might be the the Rorschach effect. And the Rorschach effect is introverts will often make ambiguous facial expressions that are unrelated to their internal feeling in social settings. So they may smile when they're nervous. They may 
not smile at all. They may look awkward or look away or look down or assume a body language that then people would assume is, you know, not confident, for example. And what can happen in these events is that these then may be perceived by others as something that they are not. So someone may perceive that person as mad or sad or angry when they are just not. And then it puts that person in a position where they then have to defend those facial expressions and body language expressions when to them they might have just been having a perfectly fine time. While this effect is not exclusive to introverts, introverts seem to display it a little bit more in social settings. I just finished reading a a great book called How Emotions Are Made by uh, Dr. Lisa Feldman Barrett. And in her book, she really pushes back on this idea of the classical theory of emotion, saying that there is universal emotion, consistent universal, whether you call it expression or facial expressions relating to emotions. So for example, the fact that smiling always means that someone's happy or a grimacing of the face always means that someone is sad or in pain. And her research is really compelling in that it pushes back on the classical idea of emotion and says that there is not universal emotion. A mood state that she often refers to is multifactorial, context-dependent, psychosocial-dependent, and varies not only from culture to culture, but situation to situation. And so a lot of the time for introverts, what ends up happening is this concept of projection. And projection is something that happens in social settings, but it seems to happen more towards introverts. And for me, when I understood projection, this was really the biggest challenge that I was being faced with that I didn't know I was being faced with until I understood it as such. Projection is this event where someone will project an emotional state onto you based on maybe their classical view of emotions and body language and interactions based on maybe the culture that they're in. And this culture may, you know, the the majority of people within that culture may display some of these characteristics. So Smiling means happy, for example, or grimacing means sadness for maybe a large subset of the the population, let's say in North America, but it doesn't mean that for everybody. And so what this leads to is this idea of projection. Every introvert that's listening or maybe every extrovert that's listening, they will have either experienced this or maybe someone has done this to somebody else. You should smile more. Why aren't you happy? Um, Why are you sad all the time? Why are you so angry, intimidating, depressed? Pick your word of choice, etc. The list goes on. As someone that is the introvert receiving this information, you immediately are now having to defend a position that you're often not in. Someone saying smile more or suggesting that you're angry, sad, depressed, intimidating you're in this position thinking to yourself, well, I'm not any of those, but now I have to defend my position based on these. And this is really, really hard to deal with. And it's actually really hard to to push back on often in social situations because you may not have the confidence to do that. And in fact, what it can do is it can push you towards those states 
even though you weren't there to begin with because it can often aggravate you. So then you find yourself in this state where you previously weren't. When I understood the topic of projection, particularly how it relates to communication, it was very, very helpful. Projection is often another person projecting their current mood state onto somebody else, or they're projecting a generic mood state because they feel uncomfortable in a social setting. So if it's, for example, an extrovert that gets their energy from interacting with people and the person that's in the social setting isn't particularly extroverted and they remain quiet, well, for the extrovert, that can be uncomfortable. And so what then often happens, and I'm not suggesting that this is done in a malicious way, is projection begins to try and open up the introverted person so the extroverted person becomes more comfortable. A lot of the time, the introverted person is perfectly comfortable in you know, quiet settings, you know, more reserved settings, where for the extrovert, that may be making them a little bit uncomfortable, and then the projection starts. This does happen with everybody. Everybody projects onto everybody in all social settings to for all personality types. But as I said before, it appears like projection happens more towards introverts. And then because they are not in these emotional states, they feel that they are left to defend something that they probably weren't feeling to begin with. And then this requires energy from them and also this internal dialogue of why am I having to do this when I don't actually feel this way. I've really tried to understand this well. The question that often comes up is, well, how do you deal with these situations? I think the majority of introverts have a tendency to ignore these and just kind of slough it off or or maybe smile or smirk or laugh awkwardly. And, you know, for a lot of people, that's just how they've they get around it. And for many, many years, that's what I would do. It is often not easy to deal with. It requires uh, a lot of self-recognition and a lot of self-confidence, especially in settings where you don't know the person. Some things that I have found to be helpful are just having that person talk more. And so there are a few different communication strategies that you can use to have that person start talking more because often what happens is once the you get the person that's projecting onto you talking more, they almost talk themselves in a circle and they come to this self-realization that what they said may not have been accurate. And so the first technique is called mirroring. Mirroring is a technique where you repeat the last two or three words that the person has just said to you in an attempt to get them to continue talking about the topic. So, um, for example, someone says, you seem mad. Um, you simply inquisitively repeat the word seem mad and then they will often try to justify why you seem mad. But in doing so, they don't really understand the social setting that they're in a lot of the times, especially if it's two strangers. And then they may correct themselves and or apologize about, oh, sorry, I that's on me. I misread the situation wrongly and I made the assumption that you were mad. The other thing that you can do is ask how and what questions and how and what questions are designed to get more information out of somebody. 
how and what questions are really used to try and get someone to understand a setting or a request in a, a context of communication. So a lot of the time in communication, we ask why questions. A lot of people don't know the answer to why questions. So why are you angry or why are you sad or why do you want to leave your job? The why questions are almost too large to get to an answer progressively in one setting. So often communication strategists will talk about how and what questions, which draws information out of a person. So it could be something as simple as, um, how did you come to that conclusion? Or what makes you think that? And it doesn't have to be asked in a combative manner. It can just be asked through curiosity. You can just look up at them and say, well, what makes you say that? And that will cause the person that's projecting onto you to take a a step back. And certainly this isn't always the case because there are plenty of circumstances where people double down. But it causes them to think about what, they are doing in the context of the scenario and how that might be then affecting the person that they're projecting onto. You could call it for what it is. You could say, no, I'm not mad. Um, You may be projecting that onto me, but no, I'm perfectly fine. I feel like that can often be perceived as inflammatory. So that's not something that I really do that often. I've heard other people say that. You could call yourself, you could label you for what you are. No, I'm okay, I'm just uh, introverted or I'm quiet, I'm shy, um, but I'm perfectly content. But one thing that I rarely, if ever, do is I, I rarely apologize in those sort of single scenario circumstances where someone's projecting onto you that they, and they really don't know you. I think that's one thing if it's, you know, context dependent with someone you've known for a long period of time and there's some sort of, social scenario that's going on where you know both parties are at fault and you may have made mistakes and they may have made mistakes that's one thing but in these isolated incidents of someone's projecting onto you and now you feel as though you have to defend your position I don't really think there's a need for apology there now if you were overtly rude or you said something then that's one thing but often in these projection scenarios it's it's not that it's the person is simply being quiet. The other thing that was great when I recognized it was social pressure and social settings. As an introvert, I feel a lot of social pressure a lot of the time. Still do, but better than I I certainly used to be. This happens in a lot of busy social settings. I think this is where I used to feel the greatest social pressure This would be things like stay long at a party, be social at a party, act like someone that I'm kind of not, try to be more outgoing. This was particularly true when I was younger, when I was in my 20s, mid-20s into late 20s. Now often, I, I just call it for what it is, and it just makes me feel so much better. It's not that I don't go to these things. It's not that I don't participate in social settings. But when I am kind of tapped out, that's what I say. Like, thanks everyone. Had a really great time. You were really great hosts. I'm tapped out for the evening. I'm gonna I'm gonna call it a night. Will people make comments to you? Probably. Will people judge you maybe after you leave or make comments about how you, you know, operate after you leave? Maybe. 
I think for me right now, I'm just at the point where I just don't really care about that anymore. I would much rather be authentically myself than pretend to be someone I'm not to merely try to fit into these social settings. It allows me, especially in these repeat social settings with people that I know, it just allows me to be myself in social settings. And the people that are close to you are going to appreciate the fact that you're being straightforward with your communication. The people that are going to continually judge you and make comments about you, those are probably people that, you know, there might need to be some distance created between you two anyway for for other reasons. This doesn't mean that I won't push my own boundaries as a person. And it doesn't mean that I won't also respect the needs of my extroverted friends or my omnivert friends. It simply means that when I am pushed to a point where I need to recharge or I need to leave, I will often also set the expectation through being clear with communication ahead of time. But it just, number one, allows me to enjoy these social settings a lot more. It allows me to just feel a little bit more confident. And oddly enough, when you're clear with your communication, it it makes you a little bit more extroverted, I find, in these settings because a lot of introverts become more introverted when they lack confidence in social settings. And a lot of these are based on these things that I've already talked about, projection, not being able to handle it, or not having a way to to really truly understand it. And the reason that I think it's important to to sometimes push yourself a little bit beyond your comfort zone in these in these social settings is introverts can also become way too isolated. Let's be honest, introverts can become too introverted because they will push themselves further into isolation because they enjoy it and it makes them feel less social anxiety and awkwardness. In saying that, there is a point where that can become too much and that can in fact lead to more negative mood states. People generally are social beings. People do require social interactions on a day-to-day basis. And so there does need to be an element of getting out of your comfort zone, pushing yourself in certain situations, and maybe practicing some of these communication strategies in those circumstances so you can get a little bit more confidence and then push yourself into a more, whether you call it extroverted or omniverted position, even though you might not be super comfortable with it. There isn't really an easy answer to what is, you know, what is pushing your comfort zone versus throwing yourself into the deep end and then being very, very socially uncomfortable. I think that's very unique to the person and you have to be able to start that like everything else in a graded exposure, slow, thin slice, stepped process. You know, maybe it's you're really comfortable talking one-on-one. Well, maybe you get in a group of three and you start to have a conversation. And I think for a lot of introverts having small talk can be introverts don't love small talk they don't like to feel as though they are forcing conversation but a lot of introverts like having really in-depth conversations about things and so 
a lot of the time I'll shift to try to having in-depth conversations with people I just don't know. I think that's why I've enjoyed doing the podcast is trying to unpack and learn about people that I really haven't met in one-on-one settings. And then it allows you to be a little bit more confident in social settings where you may not know a lot of people. What has kind of helped me in those scenarios or or ultimately what has helped me over the years to just be a little bit more comfortable as an introvert in social settings? For those people that know, I work with a lot of people. I work with or I work in front of people for essentially my entire career. I essentially talk and interact with people all day. I'm in a clinical setting talking to people one-on-one. I'm interacting with different people as they come and go throughout the clinic. I teach for a living. I'm interacting in front of people. I have a podcast, which is interacting with people. And I'm also teaching courses outside of that. So when people look at that, they may sort of say, well, that's interesting. A very, very introverted person working in an in a field which requires a lot of extroversion, but I don't think that's uncommon. A lot of, again, and I'm just speaking to my friend group, a lot of my friends that are introverts work in these settings. It can become very difficult to work in those settings if you don't, number one, understand your own personality type, and then number two, make it a priority to get ahead of it because otherwise you're just going to burn out. And so what are some things that have helped me over the years be a little bit more mindful of managing my gas tank as an introvert? And so the first is communicating clearly with the people that are around me. This, again, is, you know, when you are tapped out and you require time for yourself, overtly verbalizing that and having the people around you understand that. So if they don't quite understand it, allow them to ask questions about it. The second is, and this has been really, really great, is have your daily time to yourself because you need it. Every day I start the day, it's very, very quiet. The first couple of hours of the day, you know, wake up, meditation, writing, reading, coffee, quiet walk with the dog. And I've purposefully woken up a little bit earlier to have those quiet couple of hours before I start my day because it's been really, really helpful. The alternative to that is waking up, you know, a little bit later, not doing any of those sort of self-care routine things, rushing to work, and then by the time you're at work, you haven't really set yourself up for the day, and then you may just have a really, really busy day where you're a run off your feet from 8 a.m. till 6.30 p.m. And then by the time you you get home, you're just so exhausted. Another one is be mindful when interacting with people or in groups that, that drain your gas tank. So the understanding of, again, how to, how and what questions get people talking. And often for the introvert, they are the ones that don't enjoy talking, but they don't you know, for me, I'll speak personally, I don't mind when other people are talking, but sometimes I find it hard to talk about myself, which I think is pretty common. But the how and what questions, as well as mirroring, draws information out of people. 
when you are interacting with someone that you don't know, how and what questions with interest really cause the extrovert to come out of their shell and they carry on the conversation. And for you, it gives you the confidence that you you can then carry the conversation by just taking your turn to speak and then putting it back on them. This will often also cause you to draw out information about yourself in a, a little bit more naturally. The other thing that's been really, really helpful for me and the podcast has been really good for this is being genuinely curious about people and really trying to get a sense of, okay, what makes you you? What's your story? Where did you come from? And for me in the clinical setting where I'm talking to people one-on-one all day, having that genuine curiosity alleviates a lot of stress on your part because it allows you to, again, ask how and what questions and be genuinely curious in the person because everyone has a really unique story. And when you can dive into that story, you learn a lot about people. You learn a lot yourself. If I'm carrying on a conversation and I, I learn about what somebody does and for a living, Often we stop the conversation at like, well, what do you do for a living? I do X. So that's great. What? And then we move on to another question. Do you have, you know, do you have a family, for example? Spending more time on, you know, someone's career. Oh, what got you into that? Did you go to school for that? When did you genuinely become interested in that? Are you happy in your job? Do you have plans for your future in your employment do you want to move towards something else? Do you see yourself at that company for a long time? How do you make decisions about your career? Like you're learning a lot of valuable information from people, especially when they don't work in industries like yourself, that you can then take into your own life. Like the amount of information that I've learned from the people that I interact with on a regular basis since adopting this strategy has been really, really beneficial. The other thing is, like I said earlier, begin in these small slice situations and circumstances. Begin in social environments that you're generally comfortable with, one-on-one, for example. Practice some of the skills and then move up to bigger events and social environments. Leading into that is preparing for these big social events. You know, all the introverted people that are listening know the sort of quote-unquote existential dread that they feel in the week leading up to an event on a Friday, whether that's, you know, a birthday party, a a going out event. If it's an event where you don't, you aren't going to know a lot of people. That existential dread seems to be more and more in days leading up to the event. But if you adopt these strategies of self-care and you're continually trying to refine your communication strategies and working on them as a skill and understanding who you are, you feel a lot better about these events along with, you know, when you feel tapped out, you simply call it. And ultimately, this comes down to just being okay with who you are as a person, which is a a topic that is a lot more far-reaching than just this podcast. But doing self-care, you know, understanding who you are, not seeing your qualities as being negative or less than understanding that just because you're an introvert, it doesn't mean that your qualities are negative. Introverts have plenty of amazing qualities. 
And ultimately, this is who you are. And when you become a little bit more confident with yourself and and understanding all the positive qualities you bring, it allows you to be a little bit more confident in these social settings. Also, the understanding that all people and personality types have challenges. Extroverts are not immune to social challenges either. Um, I think that sometimes we forget this because extroverts are often seen as overtly confident, friendly, life of the social settings, but extroverts face all the same challenges as introverts face as people, and extroverts also face their own unique communication challenges as well. So just because someone is appearing confident and you might be intimidated by that, having the understanding that everyone is going through something and you can also contribute to the conversation and have a few communication strategies that help mitigate things like social anxiety and awkwardness is a really powerful place to be. I think lastly is one thing that has been extremely helpful for me is just continually being introspective in in who you are from a personality type and a person reading things like philosophy, psychology that talk about these topics, talk about internal dialogue, negative brain bias, social interactions and communication, looking at authors like Lisa Feldman Barrett um, has been really, really helpful for understanding and labeling a lot of these social interactions that I had been having, but not being able to pull it out of the social interaction, recognizing it for what it is, and then having the understanding as to why this is happening. You can then very clearly see it happening in social interactions, and then you're like, oh, this is what this is, and then your internal dialogue can be very comfortable. So when people are projecting onto me now, I'm recognizing it as projection. I recognize that that is not accurate with my internal mood state, and I am okay with that. I understand that many people often project things onto other people because of things that they are feeling in the social interaction, and that does not mean that I have to adopt the same mood state that they are in or be responsible for their mood state in that social interaction. And I think that the continual recognition, reading, and understanding of that has been really, really valuable for me. I think that, you know, now that I've recorded this podcast and let these thoughts come on to the screen, so to speak, this has been this has been good for me to parse this out and even doing this has Uh, lend to a little bit more learning on my part. So hopefully, whether you're an introvert listening to this or an extrovert listening to this, you've been able to find some value in in my story. Um, My question for you this week is what have you found as an introvert or an extrovert that has been helpful for you in alleviating social interaction, social pressure, social awkwardness? I'd love to know in the comments below. As always, folks, I hope that you found this episode to be of value to you. Have yourselves a great weekend, and we'll see you in the next one.